At the Coca-Cola Company, Keurig Dr. Pepper, and PepsiCo, some of our bottles can be remade in a whole new way, using 100% recycled plastic. New bottles using no new plastic, except the caps and labels. Learn more at madetoberemade.org. You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Welcome back to Private Parts Unknown, a podcast that explores love and sexuality around the world. I'm Courtney Kosak. And I'm Sophia Alexandra. And we are getting hella crampy and moody up in here today. Privates, better (laughs) give me some fast food. (laughs) (laughs) We are so excited to have Chloe Caldwell on the pod, an incredible writer who is not only talking about stuff that we mostly don't hear anything about, Um, like PMDD, but also doing it in a way that is very funny and also incredibly poignant and real. Yeah, for sure. Her new book is called The Red Zone, and it's all about PMDD and how that affected her relationships. And if you don't know what PMDD is, it's premenstrual dysphoric disorder, and it's basically like PMS on steroids. (laughs) It is like a super intense version that for some women just like totally fucks up their month almost every month so and not just that but it can as you'll see in her book can really take a toll on your relationships and your whole life yeah so this is a really great episode we get into some of the things that chloe tried to get back on her path towards wellness and some things worked and some things didn't you'll hear all about it it was a very layered approach. Plus, she's got some really good hacks for how to diffuse conflict in relationships that I think we all can steal. Truly genius. You have to write this one down. So here we go. God, privates, we have such a treat for you today. We have my writing mentor, basically, Chloe Caldwell. Welcome, Chloe. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Courtney. I know I was thinking about you the other day and I was like, we've been friends for like 10 years. I know it's been so long. That's crazy. Isn't it? Like we started, I think, working one on one, like at least like 2013. Or if you read Legs Get Led Astray, that was 2012. So literally, This is 10 years. This book is coming out 10 years since my first book. And that's when Courtney and I connected. That's amazing. It's our anniversary. (laughs) She turned me on to your writing, actually, and gave me the first book of yours that I ever read. And I was like, damn, this bitch can write. (laughs) Courtney is good at word of mouth, for sure, and spreading the gossip. Yeah. So if you guys have not ever read Chloe before, you have to start with Legs Get Led Astray. You have to read Women. That's the first one I ever read. Oh my God. <laughs> They're all good. They're all good. But read the whole four. Now you have like a quintet of books. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be four. Amazing. Yeah. And here today, we're going to talk about The Red Zone, your latest book. It's a pretty gnarly journey that you went through to get to some sort of, I don't know, okay place with your PMDD. So mm-hmm. I guess kind of start with like 
a little bit about your first inkling that something was wrong when you started realizing you had these really aggressive PMS symptoms and kind of the difference between PMDD and regular PMS that so many of us have struggled with. Yeah, for sure. The thing about PMDD is like, if you have it, you'll know, (laughs) you know, (laughs) if you're just experiencing kind of normal, like irritability or like you get in like a little fight with someone like that is all just par for the course. But the thing about PMDD is it starts to actually impact your relationships and your life. So it's very obvious. It's very loud when you have it. So for me, I don't know, like I'm still, it's mysterious of why I got it at the age that I got it because I started to experience it when I was like 30, 31. Which is late, right? I think it's late. Yeah. I, I mean, I just, I don't know why, why did it start then? Why didn't I have it in my twenties? I mean, thank God for that. I, I read about certain people who have it as soon as they start their period, you know, age, age 12, age 11. So I have no idea what was going on with that. Um, part of me does wonder if it was exacerbated by things that were going on in my life, like getting in a new relationship, you know, that's, it's all, it's all sort of a mystery, but all I knew was that I had gotten in this amazing new relationship and one week out of the month, everything just flipped. We would have these massive breakdowns, like communication breakdowns. And I had never really been in a serious relationship before. So I had this person who acted as a mirror and could see the pattern with me. And so we started to see, okay, literally you scream your head off, like you're going to actually murder someone. And then the next day you bleed. So having someone witness it was actually really helpful. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that was in 2017 when that began. And I had never heard of PMDD. Actually, I had never had a friend mention it. Now, you know, in 2022, I'm seeing it everywhere. I don't know if that's also like what my algorithm looks like and what my social media looks like. So I feel like everybody now has PMDD. But at the time, even though it wasn't that long ago, 2017, like the internet was still different back then. So it was my therapist who referenced, you know, PMDD to me and asked me if I'd heard of it. And I was like, no, I don't think so. Maybe once. And that liberated me to to look into it. I think it's really important that you mentioned that your partner is who helped you kind of see, wait, this isn't normal or notice patterns. I feel it's really similar to like any kind of mental health stuff. It's like my husband, you know, can be like, hey, you're definitely like your bipolar is acting up or like, hey, you know, because he's around me enough. Whereas I'm just trapped inside me and it's like really hard to know any differences. I'm like, I don't know. I've been crazy, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly it. And that's why I think of the book too. I kind of wonder out loud. I'm like, was I like this before? And I just uh-huh. didn't have a serious partner. But honestly, my answer to that is kind of no, because I would remember if I was having fights this big with my friends or with my family, you know, there'd be the occasional but nothing like month to month the way it was with my partner. But maybe that's also because when you're in a romantic relationship, everything comes out at that person. So it's like, is it because I felt really safe with this person Mm -hmm. that I was able to have this? I don't know. It's yeah, it's very mysterious, but I, I like that you use your partner too, because I was talking with someone yesterday in an interview and she was like in her late twenties and she was saying, sometimes it feels like you're belittling yourself if you admit to your partner 
that it's your period or, you know, bipolar because like that they'll use it against you. And I assured her, I was like, no one's ever used it against me. It's actually can be a really supportive thing. Tony seems like such a rock. Yeah. I mean, having someone hold your hand through the PMDD while standing up for himself when he needs to (laughs) with his, you're bombing me emojis. Yeah. But I mean, has it ever been such an issue that you were like worried that it was going to ruin your relationship? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that's the theme in the book, right? But I mean, he never seems like he's going to leave or, you know, but did you ever feel like, man, if I keep this up, I'm going to wreck this thing? Oh, for sure. And I mean, that that's why I end up going on medication. Like I, you know, have always been like kind of crazy. I'm like a writer and, you know, just not the most financially stable, mentally stable, mm-hmm. whatever. And I, I never went on medication. It took being in a relationship to being like, okay, well, <laughs> I can keep doing this, but I don't think I'll be in a relationship six months from now. I mean, I would see people on Reddit saying like that they broke up with their partner during PMDD. You know, one woman even said that she divorced her husband during a PMDD episode. And yes, I was terrified that I was ruining everything. And I remember when I originally wanted to try medication, Tony was like, no, 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 you're fine. Like, it's fine to be crazy. Like, I like all those parts of you. And I was like, really? You're saying that now? (laughs) But we've been having explosions every month. So I think I'm going to try it. Whereas now he's like, yeah, take all the medication. (laughs) So I appreciated that he was like, you don't need to go on medication. But then he kind of came around to it too when he saw how much it helped. But yeah, that's why I have the chapter. I think it's called like the cycle. And that was actually Tony's idea because he like read my book at one point and he was like, it's not really getting at the like the cycle. So it was like, we would just have like the most beautiful relationship. Like we fell in love so hard. Everything was perfect. And just so much fun. And then I would ovulate. And then sometime after ovulation, it would just, we'd be in a dark hole and we would be in like, you know, a 48 hour really war with each other. And then we would have to repair from that war. And then we'd have a good week and then it would start again. So yeah, eventually, I mean, it took a lot to trust that he was going to, to stay for sure. That was my worst fear was like, I'm too crazy. Mm-hmm. And it what's so infuriating is like you want to be able to control it because you're like, OK, I know what it is now. I know that it's just, it's severe PMS. So I, I'll see it coming. And when I see it coming, I can just go and watch a movie. I can go on a walk. And that all sounds good. But when you're actually in it and your emotions are going crazy, you're like someone tells you to go on a walk. You'll like punch them in the face. You're like <laughs> it, you're just not you're not in that. You're not going to go watch a movie like it's it's a totally different thing. So when I really tried to control it in so many ways through diet and through exercise and all of these things do help, but I needed a little bit more help. Mm -hmm. Well, I definitely want to get into the things that helped and didn't help, but let's, you mentioned the Reddit thread and that's in your book. And some of those responses are (laughs) so I love them so much. I love Reddit in general. Like Reddit has just saved my ass. Like it helped me like clear my skin. It helped me deal with PMTD. I'm like, it's amazing. Some people like TikTok. I like Reddit. (laughs) Totally. Okay. The nugget betrayal. Ask Reddit. Ladies, what stupid thing did PMS make you cry about? When Trader Joe's wine went from $2 to $3. (laughs) KFC was out of honey barbecue wings. I felt disrespected. 
<laughs> bird and he was fluffy and I cried because I felt so lucky to be able to pat it every day. Went through the drive through at Chick-fil-A with my boyfriend at the time and ordered my usual chicken nugget meal with a sweet tea. On the way home, the motherfucker started to drink all of my sweet tea. I was so <laughs> looking forward to enjoying it with my chicken nuggets. So I burst into tears. Cried on my birthday because my cheesecake slice wouldn't properly stand upright and then cried again because I cried over cheesecake. <laughs> cried in the parking lot outside of my house when I opened my six piece nuggets box and only saw five. And by cried, I mean I was full on sobbing and mumbling incoherently about my nugget betrayal. <laughs> I went to Tim Hortons to get a 10 pack of Timbits donut holes because I was really craving them. I asked for no plain ones because they're nasty. <laughs> on my way home, I opened the box and half were plain ones. And I started crying and threw each plain one out the window as I drove home bawling. <laughs> I love the pettiness. My dog... <laughs> having the body shape of a kidney bean. I went to Jack in the Box to get two egg and cheese croissants and then an extra two for my mom. Anyway, I was depressed and was starving after work, ordered my food, and everything seemed to be in order. Drove the 15 minutes home and opened all my food. All four sandwiches were sausage and egg only biscuits. I started fucking screaming how I was fucking pissed off and how much I hate my fucking life and how I refuse to eat this shit and everything always happens to me. And I proceeded to throw a sandwich on the counter. My mom just stared at me as I sobbed into the couch and she offered to drive and get me my egg and cheese croissants like I wanted. I just sobbed and said no. And I heated up a lean cuisine and cried myself to sleep. The next morning, I ate those fucking sausage and egg biscuits like nothing happened. Ah, oh, so good. <laughs> <laughs> they're all about food. Isn't it so funny? Like that they're all food. Not all, but like nine out of 10 are food related. Yeah. People are like in the fast food drive through, like losing their minds <laughs> with their PMDD. <laughs> it makes that sense, though, too, because food is like what you do for comfort. Mm. And when you have the specific thing that you've made up in your mind that you're like, this is the thing that'll comfort me and someone gets in your way, you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> I needed the six nuggets to be okay. Anything less than that, I am not okay. Because <laughs> it's like the only thing you can control too, right? It's like, exactly. okay, everything, what is this? This is a shitty day. You know, I feel like shit, but at least I can go like get my order that I know I mm. love. And then you get the wrong order. And it's just, yeah, the nugget betrayal. Privates, spring is in the air, and that means it's a time of new beginnings and a chance to reawaken your sexual energy with Like a Kitten. If you've ever visited a sex toy shop, you know that the number of products to choose from can be overwhelming. It's even worse when you start online shopping because everything on the internet is there. Luckily, Like a Kitten makes buying sex essentials a breeze. That's right, Like a Kitten offers subscription gift boxes so each each season, you'll receive a new shipment right to your door with all the ingredients to spice up your sex life. Their spring box will tickle all your senses with treats like strawberry nipple arousal cream, cheeky apple lube, and mmm, melting rose petals for the bath. The people at Like a Kitten are expert curators and they select beautiful pleasure products. This spring, you'll receive a pink glass dildo, which I love, flower glass kegel balls, and even a mini flower pot with seeds for daisies, sunflowers, and roses. 
Aww. And I just love Like a Kitten because it just inspires me to get playful and creative in new ways with toys that I might not have ever come across, like the pink glass dildo. I totally agree. And the spring subscription box is $79, which is a great deal since the products in this box retail for well over $150. And Like a Kitten's boxes make excellent birthday and bachelorette gifts. To celebrate spring, Like a Kitten is offering our listeners 15% off and free shipping when you go to likeakitten.com private or enter code private at checkout. Just go to likeakitten.com slash private or use code private to get 15% off these incredible boxes. Likeakitten.com slash private. The link is in this episode's description. So the internet is a different thing now than, you know, you talk in the book about like, there weren't the resources when your parents were going through their divorce and like, there weren't podcast episodes where you could listen to people talk about anything. And there wasn't the same kind of just like, I don't know, all these little places where you can find nuggets of wisdom and support. So Reddit sounds like it was big for you. What else helped you figure out what was going on? Mm, Yeah, definitely Reddit. Cause I didn't have anyone in real life that I knew who had been through PMDD. So once I found the Reddit group called werewolf week, I was like, this is, (laughs) this is fucking amazing. That said, I never posted anything. I'm just such a reader. Like I read everything, but I don't post. I'm the same. I'm a lurker. Yeah. I feel kind of guilty sometimes because they've helped me so much and I've helped no one, but hopefully with the book, right. Then it's like, I help people in a different way, but so definitely Reddit. What else? That's a good question. Well, then through the internet, I, I guess from Googling, or maybe it was from Reddit, I found that conference called Break the Cycle. And I was like, holy shit, there's a BMDD conference? That said, I got so lucky because that was the second year they've done it and they've never done it since, or they've done it virtually since. So I got really lucky with that. And that was in Boca Raton, Florida. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go to this. <laughs> like, um, My husband was really supportive. He's like, yeah, you got to go. So that was really cool. And that's put on by the IAPMDD, the International Association of Premenstrual Disorders. So that was great. That was a really good resource. Their whole website is a great resource. There's like test on it, thinks about symptoms. They have a blog, they have a podcast now. And then other than that, there was a couple old fashioned books, but there weren't many, right? Like there's like one called the PMDD phenomenon. Other than that, not a lot out there. Uh, well, you added to the canon. And the conference is such an interesting part of the book yeah. because I mean, it's kind of like You've been in in a locked room forever and you thought there was just like one door and then turns out like, no, there's another door and there's all these other people there. Yeah. And hearing everyone's stories and the different approaches and like, can you talk a little bit about that, about how it blew your mind open? Yeah, that was so fun. I have really great memories of it. Really great memories. So I... To go, I applied to teach a writing class while I was there because that's something that I do. And I was like, well, that could be interesting, like getting people to write about their PMDD. And if I taught there, I was like able to go for free or something. So that was definitely a challenge and that was exciting. And then I got there. Yeah. And I was just, you know, you get there, you're totally alone. You don't know anyone, you know, those kind of events. You're like, okay. And you go get a couple of snacks and like sit at a table, feel you're feeling weird. And then 
I'm suddenly like at this table and there's all these other women around me and they're like so friendly. They're so functional. They're so great all talking. And then of course, naturally the conversation goes into PMDD. And I remember her name is Katie Begris and she does a lot of like hormone health work. And I remember her saying like how bad her PMDD was that like, you know, her sister's toddler said something like, I don't like you or something. And that she just had an absolute breakdown was like, in the car crying. I was like, okay, these are my people. Like that's what happens to me. And <laughs> then everyone started sharing stories and like some people came with their mom, some people came with their partner. It was so touching to see. So that opened me up to all these people, a couple who I still stay in touch with. There was a woman named Brett who began an app called me versus PMDD. And she was like 21 and she's been struggling her whole, like as a teenager. And so she and her mom created this app and that was really amazing. So Yeah, it was cool. But what I really learned at that conference was that like, it's just such a layered approach. It's such a layered treatment, which pisses me off because I feel like I'm always like before everything. I feel like in 10 years can be like, oh, you have PMDD here. We have a pill for that. Uh (laughs) Whereas now it's like, okay, well, if you meditate, go to yoga, also take medication, also watch your diet, also take long walks, also get cardio, then you'll be okay. <laughs> you know, Yeah. Try this list of 20 things. Yeah. Maybe like five will work for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's easy. Plus you'll be enraged the entire time. It'll work out great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I thought it was so meta and hilarious that you had a PMDD incident right. while you were at the PMDD conference. Yeah. Well, that is what's so crazy. And that's part of why I felt so strongly about wanting to write this book because literally my period was just, I was like, what is happening? Like anytime I got on a plane, I got my period, my wedding day, I got my period, my honeymoon, I got my period, this conference, I got my period. Like it was just the craziest thing. It was like literally trolling me, you know, it was, <laughs> it was so weird. I don't ever remember it being like that much in my face. And so of course, yeah, it happens there. And I like got in a fight with my husband on the phone, of course. And started crying and was really upset. And I was thinking next, next year, if you guys do this conference, you definitely have to have a room where like people can go (laughs) and get out their PMD or like throw shit or something. But I mean, what a great place to have an episode, right? Cause there's all these people who know exactly what you mean. Yeah. I love how you guys were using the same lingo, like cycling, Cycling. luteal (laughs) phase. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. You don't even realize there's all of these, like, I mean, I'd heard of PMDD, but I didn't realize it was like, oh, here's the thing. This part is this kind of cycle. It's called this. This is how it works. And just the different ways that people are like, oh, no, this thing didn't work for me, but this thing did. And there is no, it's kind of like when I hear people treat Lyme disease, they're like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, this works because nobody knows enough yet. Yeah, it is similar. I agree with you. One of the books that I really love is the memoir called Sick by Porchista. I love that book. Yeah, Porchista Kapoor, because it's very, it's very similar. Yeah. It's spring fever, privates. With the smell of fresh blooms and the sun shining down on us, you can't help but feel inspired to spice things up and explore your inner desires and fantasies. Find stories that match your mood this season on Dipsy. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. 
They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and characters, no matter who you're into or what turns you on. Find stories about that intriguing coworker with a British accent, or about hooking up with your hot yoga instructor. They even have specific stories designed for your zodiac sign. And new content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. Dipsy also has sleep stories, wellness sessions, and now they also offer written stories, which is a personal favorite. It's your go-to place to spice up your me time, explore your fantasies, or heat things up with a partner. And for privates right now, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com private. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipseastories.com slash private. Dipseastories.com slash private. Let's do what worked and what didn't work. Okay. Okay. I have things that helped, but also who really knows since treatment ended up being such a layered approach. Maca powder in smoothies and water pure encapsulations, iodine supplements, sweet potatoes with cinnamon and ghee for breakfast, sliced turkey, 10 milligrams of Prozac, chugging raspberry tea, airplane mode, long walks every day and or especially leading up to period, Floridix iron supplements, Jenny Haval's albums, Blood Bitch and Apocalypse Girl, (laughs) eating a rotisserie chicken in the car when the blood begins to come on, See you later, dysphoria tincture from 69 Herbs. There were a few times Tony and I would take an edible and somehow end up reading the PMS Reddit group aloud and be in hysterics. We would search the hashtag PMS on TikTok and cry laughing. We felt seen. Stratos, CBD, and THC hybrid tablets. But weed often frightened me as I was concerned it would bring on more paranoia. Vitamin D liquid by Thorne. Calm magnesium. So that's what worked. That's what worked. Yeah, we think (laughs) (laughs) some combo things that didn't help. Some women on the PMDD subgroup of Reddit say that they wear a piece of jewelry like a bracelet or a ring that they normally never wear or buy it specifically for this reason. Then you wear the bracelet or ring to remind you it isn't your real anxiety. It's your PMDD anxiety. Vape pens seem to help a lot of people, but again, I was concerned they'd heighten my paranoia. Writing myself letters during non-PMDD to read during PMDD. Drinking entire pots of French press coffee first thing, phone in hand. Cold brew all day, phone in hand. PMS Ease Synergy Blend Essential Oils by Eden's Gardens. Nature Bright Sun Touch Plus Light and Ion Therapy. Dim Supplements. For the lock screen on my phone, I put a photo of Sadie I had taken in Wisconsin where she is standing in front of a mural that reads compassion and smiling sweetly. I thought it would help me find compassion for those rageful moments. It didn't help. Chase Berry supplements. I thought the Sadie, because Sadie is your stepdaughter for our listeners, but I was surprised that that one didn't work. Me too. (laughs) Me too. Courtney, when I thought of that one, I was like, oh my God, this is like... (laughs) This is going to be so easy. I'll look at like the smiling, sweet face looking at me, like the way she looks at me and it's so sweet and, and it'll just, you know, give me like a bigger see, see life in a bigger way and be more evolved. And no, 
could care less. <laughs> like that's, it was such like such trial and error, you know. When you're mad, it's hard to like switch the good feelings on because then yeah. even anything good, you're like, all right, well, fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was so layered for you, but talk us through like how you found the key things that worked and things that maybe surprised you along the way that didn't work. Well, I mean, I was really excited when I first did get prescribed something and was told to take Zoloft, although like the doctor was super shitty and I was like, okay, yay, maybe this is going to, this is going to work. And then I took it and it was horrible and I ended up fainting in public from it. And I was just like, this is, it's just such a letdown when you're like expecting a medication to help you. And then it makes Mm -hmm. everything worse. So that definitely didn't help. And I was in therapy during, you know, all of these years and something sort of unique is that when I met my husband, um, we lived just a few blocks from each other at the time. And he also went to my same therapist and had been seeing her for years. So then we started going together. So we're really lucky in that sense because I could talk to my therapist and she's like, yeah, I know all about it. I know all of his shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so therapy, you know, couples therapy helped. And at first I, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I have to go to couples therapy. Like, it just seems so sort of depressing to me. Like, Cause I think we still associate it with, if you go to couples therapy, it means like you're going to break up like failure. Yeah. Yeah, totally. As opposed to actually, we're just investing into the relationship that you want to be good. Right. And I got over that pretty quickly, but uh, yeah, I was sort of disappointed. Like, Oh, I just want to be in the fun part of our relationship. Like why do we have to do so much work? But it was really preventative and, and really helpful. So that was good. And I think as my relationship progressed and I learned how to trust that was more like kind of maybe spiritual work and Mm -hmm. like somatic work and talk therapy. But that really, I think that was connected to PMDD. I think like I already had those issues and they were just fine during the normal parts of the month and then getting close to my period, they just reared their head. So once I started to like learn to trust my symptoms started to lift. So really it's just, it's time, (laughs) time, patience, And then when I tried Prozac, just a really low dose, just leading up to my period, like they give it to you just seven days leading up to PMDD. That was amazing. Like it just, it gave me enough. I still felt everything, not everything, but not to that extent. So I had a little bit of distance from PMDD that I hadn't had before. Like I could recognize like, okay, this is PMDD. I'm really mad. And you know what? I wasn't, I wouldn't act perfectly. Mm-hmm. But I could see it for what it was instead of getting wrapped up in it and thinking it was real and I needed to like outsource it. Right. And it was like external. So I don't know. In therapy, I learned a lot about anger and how anger is really great and anger is really healthy. But to like ground and have power in your anger instead of like giving your anger at someone, you know, so all of that kind of work. But overall, I would say all of those things, therapy, medication, exercise, looking looking deeply at my issues and being honest about them, like patterns and issues I had that I wished I didn't have. And I was really annoyed that I had to do all of that work. But ultimately now, I mean, I'm in such a different place than I was when I began this book. Mm -hmm. So talk a little bit about you go through this in detail in the book, but airplane mode, Mm -hmm. I think is a brilliant relationship tactic for everyone. (laughs) It's really good. I did it the other day. I did it the other day. And 
I was the one who said it and I just said airplane mode and my husband just goes, okay. Like it was really, really <laughs> funny. We, we don't travel as much because of the pandemic. So we don't need it as much, but basically, you know, my husband's a musician. So that definitely, I think added stress to our relationship because like when you're falling in love with someone, you want to be around them all the time. And they always have to like, they're here for two weeks and they're gone a week. Like it was just kind of chaotic. So he would be traveling and if I was, you know, in my PMDD mode, I really liked to text fight at the time. I felt so related. I was like, really? Chloe, I love a good text fight. Okay, good. I love to like throw down and be right via text. Never works out in my favor, but Awful. I still. <laughs> it feels so good. And then it feels so bad. It's not worth it, Courtney, but it's like, I love it. I know I, I, that's something I've gotten a lot better at, at not doing, but oh my God. I loved it. And I think that's in the book where my therapist is like, you just need to say to yourself, like, I could kill you right now with words. I know how to kill you, but I'm not going to, but I could. <laughs> so I loved, yeah, back then I love to kill with words, just fast and this and my mind, like I was like so quick and like I could twist everything and I was just totally psycho. So whenever I started doing that and Tony started to see the words that I would use and always know is PMTD because I would say, well, you're a fucking asshole, which is something I wouldn't say on a normal day. He would, I, I think he started it for sure. He would just say to me airplane mode and he would say airplane mode and he would go into airplane mode and it was infuriating. And <laughs> as soon as he would come out, Courtney, of course, I had all my like new things because that's what we did. We're like, well, jokes on you because I've been writing a 10 page letter that I'm about yes. to send I'm you. like, I'll just move over to email then. Hello, right. which sometimes I did. And um, but it was brilliant. And it gave him space. It gave me space because I'm like, well, no one's reading these right now. So mm -hmm. what's the point of sending them? So I started doing it as well if I was just mad about something or annoyed or just wanted space. And we still, like I said, we still do it to this day. And then let, let's say it's, it could be 20 minute airplane mode and it could be eight, you know, six hour airplane mode. But I think it's a good boundary actually in all relationships. You know, you're allowed to do that just because we have these phones doesn't mean that the person needs to be responding all the time. So it was sort of brilliant on his, on his part. Yeah. I hope all couples start using it. I'm going to use it. I hate texting. I think yeah. it's such a fucking problem. It's annoying. Yeah. And it just makes you, it like feeds into all your worst impulsivity yep. and stuff like that. So next time I'm feeling insane, I'm going to airplane mode myself. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And there's just so much parallel talking that happens when you're texting. It's like uh, one of the things that I hate about it is it takes so much longer to get to like a conclusion or to express yourself than it would be to just pick up the phone and be like, yo, this is what it is. Yeah. But I also just I keep thinking about how similar it is to be bipolar and like how similar that is to PMDD. I mean, so much of what you said in the book and what you just said is it's just so relatable where you have to tell yourself like. I know that right now I'm like this kind of monster and I have to, I mean, my therapist used to try to help me by saying it's okay to feel anger or like be really emotional, but let it pass through you like, like waves, mm. like you can feel it and then just let it go. And whenever I would get so furious, I'd be like, okay, I need to be by myself so I can like let the wave fade before I can like interact with people in a way that's not like fucked up. Right. Well, I was so interested to read, Chloe, in your book that some PMDD is actually, or I'm sorry, some 
Bipolar is actually PMDD. Did I read that correctly? Yeah, yeah. Misdiagnosed, you were saying, right? Yeah, the other way. So sometimes people get diagnosed with bipolar and it's PMDD because people are less versed in PMDD. So, you know, you're going to go to a male doctor. They're not going to say, maybe it's attached to your menstrual cycle, unless they're a great doctor. But bipolar, it's easy for them to say, oh, you have a, a cyclical ups and lows, you're bipolar. But cyclical ups and lows are also you know, just like PMDD. So it would take a lot of just tracking and seeing, and, and, you know, of course they're different. And of course, maybe, you know, in bipolar, it's like, maybe they're not connected to your cycle for sure. So it would just take like tracking to see each person. But I do, I really wonder about that. I wonder a lot about that. Yeah. Yeah. And I also was wondering like, if you, like I'm on uh, hormone blockers because I'm a breast cancer survivor. So I think about like, did that, the fact that I'm no longer like getting my periods, does that affect like what I always thought of as my mental health being a bipolar thing? Do you still, like if it is PMDD, would I still be able to get it even though I'm not technically getting periods? Such a good question. Right? I feel like we did not, no one studied this enough to be like, how do we separate this shit out? What are we doing to these women? I know. I know. Yeah, I definitely thought of you during that section, Self, I was like, interesting connection. Mm-hmm. On that note, let's read the Sylvia Plath section, and then we can dive into some... I want to talk about how you decided to braid the relationship stuff. Okay. On Salon, I read an article called The Real Sylvia Plath. It argues that Plath perhaps didn't suffer from manic depression, but from severe PMS. It suggests that the poems in her book, Ariel, published in 1965, were not just figurative, abstract expressions of Plath's preoccupation with female fertility, but were directly correlated with Plath's biology. Metaphors for ovulation and menstrual blood are prevalent in her late work, says Catherine Dalton, a PMS researcher. Ariel, my brother gave me that book for my 18th birthday. I turned to my right, my bookshelf, and saw it sitting directly across from me, as if it's been waiting for the past 16 years for me to notice it. Inside, it's inscribed, read it, love it, 2004. I began scouring it for signs of PMDD. The word blood is on almost every other page. I also find embryos, blood clots, roses, wombs, babies, pink, red lions, bloody skirts. Oh, so interesting. I know. Also, yeah. what a beautiful sentence. The All the bloody stuff? <laughs> Just, no, like that list is like, a, it's a beautifully put together sentence. Thank you. Good job, Chloe, making the disgusting. Just so poetic. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Privates, we're so excited to partner with BetterHelp. As you know, we are committed on this podcast to destigmatizing mental health issues. And as you also know, we deal with our share of them. And we're so excited that BetterHelp is here because one of the hardest things about trying to get help when you are going through something is trying to get help. It is so hard to find a therapist. (laughs) I know, it's like when you need someone most, you're least equipped to figure out how to do that. And that's why I love BetterHelp because they make it easy. 
BetterHelp will assess your needs and they match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can connect in a safe and private online environment. It's so convenient. And you can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's so nice not to have to wait when you need help. And BetterHelp is not a crisis line and it's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. You can find someone to help you with a range of issues. Their licensed professional counselors specialize in depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, trauma, anger, family conflicts, LGBT matters, grief, and self-esteem. And you can do it all without ever having to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room. Hell yes. Oh, thank God. (laughs) (laughs) In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. I mean, business is popping at BetterHelp. (laughs) And right now, privates, if you want to start taking a step towards helping yourself with mental health stuff that includes therapy, you can use our discount. It's 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash private. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash private. So let's talk a little bit about, because your husband and your stepdaughter are featured very prominently in the book, and it makes total sense, but I'm curious how you decided to braid in those stories into the red zone. Yeah, this book probably took like 150 structures. I did not know how to write it. Originally, I wanted it to be just super, super period focused and just really like laser focused on that. And I started it and I, I envisioned it as one year in the life of a period and it was a diary form. Hmm. Um, and then, you know, time keeps going and I'm like, okay, because it keeps expanding. Another year goes by, another year goes by. Of course, my husband had to be in it because so much of this was his story too. And once I came up with the title of a love story, I started thinking of like all the different, there's so many different love stories in this. It's like a person with their body, a person with their period, and then different kinds of love, you know, like love, you know, in a blended family that we don't hear so much about. So I I really wasn't sure though, because I, like I said, I was really excited about this, like, okay, this is like the period book, but then when I brought it to who ended up being my editor at Soft School, Yuka Igarashi, she said that maybe it could shake off its identity of being, I'm the period book, like, mm. and expand and that it didn't have to be one thing. And I agreed with her. I thought that was really interesting. And she, you know, I had a couple things about my stepdaughter and she really liked those parts. And even now when people read it, they're like, oh, my favorite parts about your stepdaughter. So I started to just look for other connections that were maybe not as obvious of like, you know, she was kind of another mirror for me of like me as a child. And she's someone who I know is going to go through all of this stuff, maybe hopefully not PMDD, but like go through, you know, menstruation and her first period. So having, you know, a girl in my life who I met, she was six. And then during the writing of the book turn, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, like prime, you know, she's about to be 12. So kind of just looking for connections where there wouldn't normally be. And I got really into just nuance, you know, and the nuance of like blended family of periods and of queerness and looking at all of these things that 
you know, right now online, I feel like everything is so black and white. So it was really fun to have a book where I could just explore and put different things together that you wouldn't think would be together. But I, I will say a lot of that was definitely of my editor's encouragement of bringing in other things and making it more of a full-fledged memoir rather than just a period book. And I think that's also a smart marketing tool because Mm -hmm. more people can relate to it rather than like a life of a period. I still am like, that's a cool book. Like that's a cool idea for a book. But that said, it's so fucking hard to get a book published anyway that I was like, well, I'm already being allowed to write a book about my period. So I'll meet you halfway and I'll do like a linear memoir because that's just how publishing works. Yeah. I really liked the relationship stuff, though, and I think it's interesting how emotionally based PMDD seems like all that stuff does matter in Mm -hmm. the illness. Well, yeah, because I'm like and and there's that scene where I'm at the doctor and she like doesn't want to give me meds and she's like, you should just do the whole 30. And I'm like, yeah, but there's an eight year old in my life and like she lives with me part time and she never saw these sides of me, I should never say never, who knows what she sees. But like a lot of this was when Tony and I were just by ourselves and when she wasn't around, but you know, she sees me like when I'm lower for sure. And I'm just honest about it. But that was another, you, you asked me like my fear of like, Oh, if Tony left and like, that was my fear too. I'm like, well, I don't want her to grow up with someone who's raging at their father. So like, there's a kid involved. There's just more responsibility than when you're single and it's just Mm -hmm. like coming at yourself. Now there's like these external people who I really love and care about. So that I think was also that, that went into my decision to, you know, try medication as well. I also thought like the love story of you and Tony, what I liked about it is that I think what we think of as love in terms of what people show is really people think of these romantic like movie cliche things or whatever they see on Instagram. And it is really refreshing to be able to read someone's story where they're like, here's all the ways that I'm admitting that like I can be ugly. And here's the ways that that's been impactful in a negative way towards the people that I love. And also here's how you can live and improve that. And like, that's really, that's love. Tony not putting up with you in a way where he's like, well, the part that's abusive, I don't need, but mm-hmm. I am here and I'm supporting supporting you. Right. You know, and just I just feel like the exchange between the two of you, what you are willing to give up for each other and what you're not willing to give up for each other, I think is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I just sort of fell in love with your relationship. And I already knew about your relationship with your, like I've seen your stepdaughter on Instagram and heard you talk about her, but it was really beautiful to read about that too. Thank you. So I know you wanted to get in a couple questions about women. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, it's actually not about women. It's about this book, but it's about the queer thing. So um, I am also, I'm bisexual and I liked your honesty about what it's like to be a queer woman who is now in a committed heterosexual relationship with a man and in this like traditional role of, you know, mother figure, stepmother figure, one of the mother figures, (laughs) and how you're saying that it felt really weird to be both the person that wrote women, which is just the sexiest 
woman <laughs> on woman on woman book yeah you know and just feeling like you can't really own your whole identity because you're afraid that like at some point someone's just gonna come up to you and be like well your buy card's been revoked because we saw the pictures of you with your man and your stepdaughter yeah and I really identify with that and I just wanted to for you to expand about on that a little bit yeah thank you Yeah, it's complicated. I mean, at first, yeah, that's why I put that chapter in there because it was so funny to like to fall in love with my husband. And then he had a daughter. So kind of look like this nuclear family. Right. And then at the same time, I was like getting asked to go into this article of like, these are like the most prominent out lesbians. And I was like, I was like, am I a liar? Like, like, I just (laughs) didn't know how, how to work with that. But I just, I don't know if you're queer, you're queer. Right. So I I've read a bit about this and you know, the book, have you read, um, Sophia, you would probably love the book greedy notes from a bisexual who wants too much. So good essay collection. I'm going to read that. But she says she has this great line that she's like, maybe confusion is as queer as it gets. Like that's what her bookmark says that came in the book. But anyway, she's of the stance of like, it doesn't matter who you're, who you're dating that's not what defines if you're queer or you're not queer, you define it. So regardless, you're, you know, dating a man, dating a woman, you're queer if you say you're queer. Um, But what's interesting to me is like, the more I am a step parent without bio children, biological children, it's very similar to being queer because you're on the outside. You're not, you called it a traditional role, which is so interesting because it feels so untraditional um, mm. compared to like your friends with babies and their toddlers and then like a step relationship that you have like a kid part time. And it's it's just it's totally different. And you're on, kind of on the outskirts of society in a lot of ways. People like it's like being queer. It's like people don't really know how to treat you. They don't. And then when I'm with my stepdaughter, they don't know if I'm her mom, if I'm her, the other day, someone asked if I was her sister, like I was like, thank you. <laughs> but they're like, um, so you're kind of, it's invisible the way for me, like my queerness is invisible and people don't know by looking at me. People also don't know by looking at me if this is my bio kid or my step kid. And so once I made that connection, I was like, actually step parenting is making me feel more queer because it's like, it's different. It's different, especially if you don't also have like your bio kid, because our culture just values that so much more than a step, you know, think about it. You like inherit, you know, you date someone with a child you're not going to have like a, a baby shower or like a, someone said to me the other day, they should have step parent showers. You know, you're not, you, you like don't get all of this stuff and people don't really know how to talk about it and they tiptoe around it. So that's a way that I'm like, well, this is maybe part of my queerness is like being a step parent. But yeah, lately I'm like, I want to get more into my queer identity. And for me, I think it's just more of like what I consume and what I read and what I watch and who I talk to and how I think. And like that, that makes me queer, even though like a photo of my husband and I doesn't look queer, you know, (laughs) but yeah, I really relate. Can I ask, like, are you partnered with anyone? Um, I am married to a man and we've been together now for 16 years. Damn which is a really fucking long time. And I'm still trying to navigate the queerness thing in a way that is respectful to him and to me. Yeah, totally. Definitely. I think you'll be very emboldened by this book, Greedy. It's it's so great. And follow her on Instagram because she's amazing. That's such a good wreck. 
I'm so excited to read it. I remember when I connected with you after women, when you just started dating Tony and you were like slightly sheepish, you were like, well, I'm dating a man. (laughs) I I like felt bad about it and which is so fucked up. Like I shouldn't have felt bad about it, but yeah, I remember. And I think it's in the book, but like my friend was like, oh my God, you're coming out of straight, you know, like (laughs) not true, but that's how it felt because women started to get all this attention, you know, not necessarily mainstream, but like I had people writing to me all the time about women and their queer breakups and their gay relationships. And it became this, like this really gay book. And then I even had one person say to me like, oh yeah, I'm kind of just, I was kind of disappointed to like, see that you're with a man. I'm like, okay, but you have to just get comfortable with like letting people down. It's like, okay, you can be disappointed, but like at the end of the day, it's like, this is my life. What am I going to like, you know, right. Unfall in love with Tony. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And like date someone performatively so that everyone, you know, and I think this is the issue with like Instagram and whatnot, where we're all like these like celebrity personalities, even if we're just a freaking, you know, writer, like everyone is this persona. So totally. Well, speaking of which, where can people find you? People can find me. Uh, my website is Chloe Simone, S-I-M-O-N-N-E.com. I have all my events listed on there and my classes. And then on Instagram, I am Chloe with four E's, I think, Caldwell. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Chloe. This has been amazing. Thank you, guys. I loved your questions and your energy. And Sophia, it was so good to meet you. It's so it nice like to meet you. We have a lot in common. <laughs> Yes, definitely. (laughs) Yeah, so we're friends now. For sure. We have to be. (laughs) All right, privates, you have your marching orders. You need to go get at least one of Chloe's books. (laughs) You can start wherever you want. I suggest starting at the beginning with legs get led astray, but you can start wherever you want, truly. Yeah, start wherever you want and also go to her Instagram and see uh, she has like book tour dates posted. So definitely see if you can come out and hear her read. Some of them are virtual too. Yes. And if you are thirsty for some more Private Parts Unknown episodes, we've had some killer ups recently. Make sure you check out Dick Riding 101 and Intro to Squirting, a little collegiate (laughs) tutorial from Samaya Burton that is just you don't want to miss it and that's that's in one episode both of those tutorials i know i know and it's not exactly 101 it's like maybe 301 but we really get into it is it's important okay (laughs) now we have to have her back and we got to break it down just dick riding just squirting and we got to go deep and if you want to connect with us after listening the episodes we are at private parts on on twitter and at private parts unknown on instagram and me personally, I'm at the Sophia S O F I Y A on Twitter and Instagram. And I am at Courtney Kosak, K-O-C-A-K. Let's connect. <laughs> hey Sophia, what's that bomb ass music? This music is by our bomb ass friend Amy Rosh. You should go to her website, Amy R-A-A-S-C-H.com, and download her albums. This episode was mixed by Mike Castaneda from Plastic Audio. We Bye.
Everybody, you're a baby boy. It's springtime. I would put you in a stroller. Would you like some mashed peas and carrots? Uh, Probably. He probably does. And you guys, make sure you give a follow to our amazing social media queen, Holly Brown. She is at Holly Brown Comedy on Instagram. And she also just happens to be a really hilarious stand-up. So check her out. And now it's time for... The Review of the Week. Uh, We actually have a new review. I am so happy to announce. And it is five stars, no notes. Really nothing to criticize here. (laughs) You had me at no notes, reviewer. Jesus Christ, is this like how I find like my real dad? (laughs) He's like, I thought there were going to be a lot of notes, but really nothing. (laughs) No, uh, this reviewer is wit. 412 and we love you already wit wit continues these folks know their stuff and seem to be on an unending journey of discovery about humanity it's queer it's funny it's informative and it's beautifully provocative essential nay vitally necessary listening right here love y'all and keep up the great work hey Love to hear it. That's such a nice review. Thank you so much. I love it all. I'm going to get it tattooed on my forehead. (laughs) I was just going to say that, but I was going to say above my vagina. Oh, more intimate. (laughs) Just, you know, to go with the theme of the podcast, kind of have to. Yeah. Well, we'll report back on a future episode, privates, and let you know where we get (laughs) this review. Where the tats are going. Yeah, tattooed on ourselves. But in the meantime, you can leave your own review and... And hey, we'll consider getting it tattooed on our bodies as well. Go to ratethispodcast.com slash private. Give us your five stars and sweet nothings. Again, ratethispodcast.com slash private. These reviews really mean so much to us. So we would love to hear from you. And we'll check you guys next time. Bye. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus.